When it comes to discussing our bodies, we often get a little uncomfortable. Women's health issues are often seen as off-limits, taboo topics we just don't talk about. It's time for that to change. Let's talk. Welcome to the Brave Mama podcast, where we are going to do exactly that. Discuss everything from periods to pregnancy, motherhood to menopause. No topic is off-limits. Join Stephanie Thompson, the brave mama and author of The Day My Vagina Broke, as she asks other brave women about their personal health challenges and triumphs. You will learn, laugh and cry as Stephanie finds out everything you wanted to know but were too afraid or embarrassed to ask. So, grab a cuppa and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to The Lowdown with Brave Mama. This is your host, Steph Thompson here, and today we have invited a very special friend of the show to come on and talk about all things motherhood. Melissa is the host of the Reawakened Mum podcast, where she talks about putting yourself back on that priority list as a mum because she wants to help us feel less alone. Now, we recorded this conversation a while ago. So when it was in production and I listened back, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman just speaks so much sense. And as a mum, there were so many things that Melissa shared that I too felt like, wow, I needed that nudge. I needed that reminder. So I hope by the end of this episode, you too get a little bit of a tap on the shoulder, a little jolt, whatever you want to call it, to help you feel lit up and good about yourself again, because we are so much more than just mums. We are brave mamas here. Just before we get into our chat with Melissa today, I'm going to share a little bit of feedback from one of you, our listeners. This is what Jackie had to say. Not only did she give us five stars, but she also said, I came for Steph and stayed for the conversation. Loved learning that clitorises are the only organ whose function is for pleasure, the dangers of prolapse in later life, and the importance of lube for 40s plus. Thanks, and I can't wait for the next season. Thank you so much, Jackie. That is so amazing coming from someone who also is an author, an educator, and a podcaster. Now, if you are someone who listens to this and thinks, I have a story within me, like I've got a book that's dying to get out, do yourself a favor, Go over and check out Jackie's podcast. It is called These Mums Write. And it talks about mums who have stories and how they get them out there in the world. Definitely go and check it out. And for now, it is time to get into our chat with Melissa. My dear friend, I am so, so excited to be talking to you today. Me too. I can't wait to see where this conversation goes and where it leads. And I know it's going to be amazing before it even started. I'm like, it's just going to be magical. <laughs> and for those who are just tuned in, I just said to Melissa offline, how, you know, how do you like to be introduced? And she's like, just Melissa. And I had a giggle because just Melissa. It sounds like an Aussie thing to do. Oh, just, just me, but she is a podcast host. She is a mom and there's so much more to this story. So you definitely want to tune in and listen all the way to the end. So 
now that I've kind of done a bit of a spoiler, we know that you're a mom, but I would love to ask you, who was Melissa before becoming a mom? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. So I am born and raised in Lewis, Delaware. So I am across the, the Atlantic Ocean and I'm a middle child. And I I never thought of myself as like the black sheep, let's just say, like of okay. what you would think of in your family. I honestly, I always thought my brother was the black sheep. <laughs> You could be the one that like got in trouble and did all the things that were like the black sheepish. But really when I think about it, I did things so different than both of my siblings. I went and lived somewhere else for college. Like I went and lived at University of Delaware as soon as I turned 16. And then I was, I, I was out of um, high school. I was like, I'm ready to go live on my own. So I went and lived at college and my sophomore year of college, I gave my parents an ultimatum and said, I'm either taking a semester off or I'm going to do a semester abroad. And at the time I was going to school to be a teacher Okay. and I don't know where this came from, but I just had this, this sense in my body that I needed to see more of the world. Like there was more out there than the state of Delaware. And so how big is Delaware, by the way, because for a lot of our Aussie listeners, it would be a name, but give us some context. How, how many people? Okay. So I don't know how many people. Okay. But I will tell you it's less than a million. I might be making that up, but I think it's less than a million, but we are the second smallest state in the whole United States. So we're tiny. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We're tiny. It's Rhode Island. And then it's Delaware. And Delaware is also the first state, just so you know. Oh, I like Um, a bit of history lesson. Yes. So it is the first state and it's beautiful. I mean, I live right by the ocean. I'm literally 10 minutes from the Atlantic ocean. It's a beautiful place to grow up. I never thought I was trying to leave, but once I did go to college and I met all of these different people and I had met all these diversified people that weren't like in my hometown, I just felt like there was something more out there. So my sophomore year, I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm taking a semester off and traveling around the United States, or I'm doing a semester abroad. And I I ended up going and living in Scotland. I went to Edinburgh and that was the only location that they offered for education. I was dreaming of Paris. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to Paris. They're like, sorry, we don't do that for education. I didn't honestly, at the time I was so naive. I had no idea where Edinburgh was. I was like, where's Scotland? I don't even know. Hang on. Just remind us how old were you? Oh, at the time I was 18. Wow. Still a baby. Still a baby. This is pre-cell phones, mind you. There was no technology like it yep. is nowadays. My, my mom has all the emails saved from when I was living in Scotland yes. and emailing her because we didn't have cell phones. It wasn't as easy to communicate, yeah. right? So 18 and on the plane, off you go. On the plane, off I go. And I was able to consume alcohol when I lived in Scotland because in the United <laughs> States, it's 21. Over there, it's 18. So yeah, I feel like that was kind of my journey into declaring who I was and differentiating myself from doing things like everybody else did them. I feel like that was really where it started was me declaring, this is what I feel like I need to do. I I don't know why I need to do it. I just feel like I need to. And I just feel like that was really a turning point for me to really stand up and start to live into who I truly am today. How were your parents 
with you going to the other side of the world? They were a nervous wreck, of course. I wasn't the baby. I'm the middle child, but I was still like, still a baby, right? No one in their family had left. Like my parents at the time, I don't think they had really left the country either. They used to do cruises, but I don't think they had ever gone across seas. So we did a lot of emails. I was like, I'm going to be fine. You know, they're going to be living on a a campus. They're going to be living in a dorm. They're going to have Scottish professors it'll be fine. It'll be just fine. (laughs) I encourage it because I have a stepson when he was actually in seventh grade, they have something called people to people here. I don't know if you have anything like that, but you can do an exchange. And so you can go and live in another country. So he went to Ireland and he was the youngest one that went in school. And I think that was because I was like, you should do these things while you're young. You should experience these situations. You're going to be cared for. You're going to be safe. Like just giving that feedback that like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting. I think that's kind of where it all started for me and just being like declaring who I was. I knew that we had a lot in common already. I had no idea that how you were just describing that you don't know how you knew, but you just had this within you that you had to leave. Yeah. I grew up in a really small country town as well. Well, it's city now, but at the time it was really small. All my friends finished high school at, you know, 17, 18, fell in love, got married and had babies. So by 20, I was the only one of my girlfriends that was not having a baby. Yeah. But at 18, I did the same thing. I said to my parents, I think I'm going to move like out of home. And they're like, okay, all right. I don't know how you're going to do that. You don't even have a a proper job. I said, no, I'm going to move to a tropical island where there are hardly any people and I'm going to work there. It's like a nine hour drive or something, but to to fly is a couple of hours. And then we're like, "Mm, probably not. I said, yeah, I I am. I'm actually leaving in two weeks. I had done all of this without really telling them. Yeah. I mean, it's just something, it's just ingrained in you. And I I went and I went to the meeting. I was like, I'm going to go to the meeting. There was nine other people that were going to go. I was like, I'm still going to get all my credits. So I'm not losing out on any college. It's going to cost close to the same. It's going to be a little bit more, but I was, I would work. And I just was like, I I can make this work. Like I made them believe me. And the university was like, yeah, we've done this for so long. We have a great track record. And it was the coolest, most transformational like experience living in another country on your own. It was all girls that went. There was nine girls that went living in a foreign country. It was just amazing. I I talk about it all the time. I actually went back and lived there for six months after I graduated and taught primary school, my friend. Oh, hello. Yes. Primary teacher. (laughs) But it's true, isn't it? It really just takes the blinkers off your eyes and you say, wow, because living on a tropical island, I was meeting people from around the world we're in my little hometown at that time, even just white Anglo-Saxon, typical nuclear family people. You could really see yourself everywhere. I remember the first person I met on this island and I said, are you from America? And he said, no, I'm Canadian. And do you know what I said? Oh, it's the same thing. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <sighs> so uneducated. To be again, right? <laughs> so uneducated and how embarrassing to think that now but I thought there was nothing wrong with that he's like well are you from New Zealand because Australia and New Zealand are not I'm like oh no it's totally different he said Canada and America are totally different yeah and now I know yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. That's where it started for me. I mean, that's where it started. And my love of travel and adventure really started from that. And also trusting myself that I can do something on my own and I could live in another country without any of my parents or my family or no one else really knowing who I was and that I can figure it out and I can figure out the transportation and the money and how to get from one place to another. And then we had three weeks vacation. So we traveled all around Europe and it was just such a life changing journey that I was on. And I just, I think that really helped me really trust myself and my intuition at that young age. Just, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting. It's, and you, I can see it in your face. It actually, the, I feel like the memories of that time bring so much joy for you, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just the experiences and something. I always think like, I'm so proud of that young girl for sticking up for herself, even though she had no idea what she was doing. She didn't even know where the country was for goodness sake (laughs) at the time. And to think the amazing memories that I made, and then to even want to go back and live there because it made such a dramatic like shift in my energy to want to go live there for six months and leave again was just incredible. So that, you know, I think I, I live that into my life now as a mom and before being a mom too, just with my kids as well, just that sense of adventure and trying to trust yourself even though it's so hard, but trying as much as you can. That takes me to my next question, I guess. Did that 18-year-old brave girl stay with you or at some point has she kind of come in and out of your life again? I would say it's definitely been in and out. So I went to Scotland my sophomore year, went back to college, junior, senior year, graduated. And then, like I said, I came home Everyone expects you to get a job right away. You just went to college. You have a degree. Now you go get a job. I still wasn't ready to get a job. And so I was like, I did like a full-time substitute, but I was like, I'm still not ready to commit when they offered me a job because I went and lived across seas six months. I got my work visa, lived there for six months, traveled all around again, was there. Do you remember this, Stephanie? Y2K? Do you remember Y2K when we were never going to be able to connect with one another again because the interwebs were not going to flip over from 1999 to 2000? I do exactly remember where I was at that time. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm in Scotland when the world, you're never going to see the world again, never going to be able to connect. I'm partying at the Edinburgh castle. Going Ah! in 2000, I'm like, we're partying there for the new year. And it was just such a great experience. And I'm like, we survived, we made it, we're there. But it's, you know, for all the, for all the older experienced women, we know what Y2K is, so we can talk (laughs) about it, but, but it was just a fun time. So I went back and lived there, came home. I still wasn't ready to get a job. I Mm -hmm. actually was like a full-time sub again, because another girlfriend and I were supposed to travel. We were going to drive out West. And it was a blessing because what ended up happening, she ended up bailing on me. And then I met my husband. Oh, we met. Meant to be. We met. Yeah. We had some friends that were trying to set us up on a date actually. And they hadn't told me who he was. It was like a blind date. And he had come into where I was still, I was teaching, but I was also waiting tables because you don't make that much money as a teacher. You know, everybody has to have a second job. (laughs) So I was waiting tables and this guy came in a flannel and sat at the bar. And I was like, who is that guy? And my friends were like, that's the guy we were trying to hook you up with. That's the one. And so ever since then, we have been together. It was really meant to be. But your question on have I been brave? I think that I have been because situations like my husband. So when I met him, he had recently been divorced. When I met him, he was nine years older. 
Yep. He has a son. So he had a son, a nine-year-old son at the time. Yeah. So I meet this man. He's nine years older. He's gorgeous. I always call him like my Roman God because I'm like, oh, "Oh, he's got like beautiful skin and his arms. So he has tattoos and that was like a big no-no like in my family. And he has a job. So again, going into, I'm standing up for myself. This is what I want. It doesn't matter to me that he has a son. It doesn't matter to me that he has tattoos. What does it matter? (laughs) Right? And so again, I look deeper than like skin level. If you're just looking at that, I look at deeper at the person. So, you know, and my parents love him, of course, that lasted like three months. And then once you get to know my husband, you're like, oh my God, like he's amazing. You're right. The tattoos and the Harley, that didn't matter. It's just the unknown, isn't it? It's just like the judgment that we have. It is. And you want to take care of your child and make sure, oh my gosh, that's a thought that would go through their minds. Like, or my, it was mainly my dad. I love my dad, but it was like, oh my gosh, he has tattoos and his tattoos told a story of his marriage before. And his tattoos were a way for him to really live into himself and who he truly was once he had been divorced. And so I just thought it was beautiful and, and tattoos are art to me. And so I didn't see anything wrong with it. So there's like another time when I'm like, it's my life. I'm sorry if you don't like a, a, agree with it, but this is the person that I'm falling in love with and you're going to have to deal with it or, I, love or love. I guess not deal with it. Yes. Yes. My gosh. So, th- I mean, you were still quite young at this age when you met him. So all of a sudden you've become a mom or a stepmom. I still think it's called mom because you're still playing that role. When yeah. you're there. And I can see that you would definitely step into that with full, full force. So how old were you then when you became a first time mom? Yeah. So I met them in 2001. So okay. gosh, was that, that's 20 years ago? Yeah. 20, over 20 years ago. Holy yeah. crap. So yeah. I was 20, I was 23. Okay. Yep. I was 23. So, um, yeah. So to come into that, I had just been out of a very long relationship, like toxic relationship. And so neither one of us wanted anything. He was like, I just got divorced. I was like, I want to be solo. I don't want anything. And of course we could not leave each other's sight. So coming into it and I was a school teacher, so I love kids. So to me, it was like, Oh my God, I love kids. I didn't meet Slater right away. Mike was like, I don't just introduce anyone to my child. And so once we started getting serious and once he knew that this was not just something that was going to be like over in like a month, then I, he introduced me to Slater and it was just fun. I mean, we would go to the beach and, and camp outside and we had a great time. And I think that Mike was like Slater's best friend at the time, you know, it was like yeah. his dad was like everything and they would play video games and have fun together and go out in the water and play and bury each other. So it was just a really, it was a really good time. It really was. It was great. And I just kind of fit right in. His is still around. She was still in the area. So yeah, sure. So that was always something that that was kind of the strange part too, like meeting her for the first time, Um, because you, it is awkward to come in and be like, how do I fit? Like, where do I navigate this space? Yeah. Yeah. How do I navigate this space? How do I communicate? Like, how do I not step on toes? How do I fit? Because I hadn't been a mom before. And so I didn't, that was just interesting to to fit in and figure out where my role was and how I fit into like their situation already. Yes. 
I think you're probably the first mom I've spoken to where that's your journey to first time motherhood. And it's funny because I think people would say, well, you're not the mom though, because he still had a mom active in his life. But yet the role of motherhood looks so different in every single situation, doesn't it? Oh, so different. So, you know, they shared custody. So he would be with us a couple of days a week and his mom a couple of days a week. And so we run our household different than she runs her yeah. household. So there's a very, it's just a, a very different dynamic. And especially for him as well, because you're trying to almost like shift shape, like who you are, because I feel like with different households, with different expectations, then it's what's expected here won't be allowed here or what's expected here won't be allowed there. So I feel like it can be very challenging. So it's really trying to work together on both sides. And sometimes it doesn't always work out that way to the best that you want it to, especially when hard situations arise and you have to try to work together. And if there isn't that really good communication or if there's animosity from one side or the other, it can make it extremely difficult when really you just want to be there for the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be very, very, very tricky. And then Mike and I, we married. So we met in 2001 yep. and then we got married in 2004. And so that was great and still amazing. And then my 15 year old was born in 2006. I was with Slater for like five years, just Slater just and not having... Yeah. Him having like the best life ever. And then it's, he's a teenager when introduced a baby into the family. So the teenage phase is, is hard already. How was that for all of you, I guess, new baby and a teenager? What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I was teaching at the time. So I finally committed to teaching. I was like, okay, I, I will be a teacher. I will do it. So I finally committed to a job and I was teaching. And when I was pregnant with Jackson, I wanted to find a way. I didn't know that you people actually stayed at home with their kids or worked from home. I really did not know that was a thing because growing up, it was always, you go to college and you go to college and you get a degree and then you get a job and then you work for 30, 40 years and then you retire. That was the sequence. Is that how like you kind of grew up as well? Yes. And your parents work so hard to retire just to own a house. That's it. And then maybe a little bit of travel if they're lucky, but it was like, if you want to earn more money, you just have to work harder. Yes. My parents worked extremely hard to give us everything they could possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pregnant with Jackson while I was teaching and I was working all the time because my husband, he was working at, he's still a chef. We own a restaurant now, but at the time he was a chef and he was off Mondays and Tuesdays. So he worked Wednesday through Sunday. So our weekend wasn't the typical weekend. So when I was teaching, I really wouldn't see him because his days off wouldn't be my days off and the weekends he was always working. Mm -hmm. So I would go into work early. I would stay late. I would go in on the weekend because I'm like, Mike's not home and Slater would be with his mom. So I was like, I'm just going to go sit at the house by myself. I'll just go work. So when I was pregnant, I was like, what am I going to do? Because I can't be an amazing teacher. Like I want to be, because I'm not going to come into work early. I'm not going to stay late. I'm not going to want to come in the weekend when I have a baby. Well, you won't be able to, even if you wanted to, you just can't. Yeah. So I was like, I have to find another way. So I had been introduced to network marketing and I had never heard of entrepreneurship. I had no idea what I'm like, is this legal? (laughs) Like, are you sure I'm not going to get arrested for doing this? 
And it was the best gift. It allowed me to stay at home for seven and a half years and work from home and raise my children. It was just such a beautiful gift, but I was still had something for myself. Like I still had that purpose of being able to go out and make money and still work and still be able to talk to adults while I had this little baby at home. Right. Cause that connection, you love your kids so much, but we, as women crave that human interaction and crave that adult interaction. Stimulation of getting your brain out of only wiping bottoms and feeding, right? Yes. Because the monotony of that is not, and it's hard to say because even I can't even say the words because I feel like I'm being ungrateful for being a mom, but I think we need to start being a bit more brave in saying that, that it doesn't feel like it's enough for some women it might, but for a lot of my friends and myself included, if that's all you do all day, by the end of it, you're not, you don't feel lit up. You're not Mm -hmm. inspired to do it again the next day because it's going to be there. Yeah. Like you said, it sounds like you had a really nice balance. Yeah. To explain for our Aussie listeners again. So was that in with a particular company? I'm going to liken it to like, you know, when your grandma used to call Avon, like the makeup. (laughs) Yeah. And they would sell door to door, right? Is that similar? Yes. So what I did is at the time I joined a company, I loved jewelry at the time. And so the company was called Leah Sophia Jewelry. So I would have home parties. And so I would get to go and dress you up and accessorize jewelry for your outfits. I was able to earn trips to Hawaii that my husband and I were able to go on and be able to stay at home for seven and a half years. That was a gift. So for me- Yeah. The company ended up going out of business. I had gone back to teaching because after seven and a half years, my husband wanted to start a restaurant. He just had it on his heart. And I was like, we work together so that I could stay at home and we've made it work. And we've, you know, not hustle, but like, we've just made it work and we work together in this. And so if you want to do this, I wasn't into jewelry anymore. I mean, at that time I was like, my kids are pulling my (laughs) earrings out. Like they're pulling on my necklace. Like I'm not wearing costume jewelry. I'm not going to any parties. Like I just didn't feel in alliance with it anymore. Oh, fair. And so when he wanted to start a restaurant, I was like, all right, we'll make it work. And so I went back to teaching at the time when we had the restaurant. So Jackson at that time was in second grade and Nick was still in pre-K, but he, we had a pre-K at the school where I taught. So he was able to go with me. There was, hang on. I missed that. There was another baby. Yeah. So I had Jackson in 2006 and then Nicholas was born in 2009. So yes. So there was two more babies, all boys. When I had Jackson the first time with Slater being a teenager, it was pretty rough because at his mom's house, he was like the only child. And when we brought Jackson home and at first it was okay, but then it was tough because Mm. the attention was on Jackson and I'm feeding or he's napping or he had to be more quiet or just the attention wasn't on him and he's a teenager. So already hard and he had the choice. He could go to his mom's house. And Mm -hmm. so he ended up going to his mom's house more at that time, just because it was quiet. There wasn't a baby. He could do his own thing. She didn't really have as many roles as we did. Like get your homework done, try to eat. Okay. Like get outside, (laughs) whatever. Makes sense to be, you know, to kind of let, let them be comfortable where they're going to be. Right. 
Yeah. So we just, we did the best we could and went through motherhood and the baby phase and toddler phase and all the things, doing all the things as a mom. My mentality at the time was I needed to do it all. And this is what a good mom does. And she does everything and she doesn't talk about what's happening. And she just is, she just puts a smile on her face. Right. And then she comes home and She's like crying and she's in the shower. Like, how am I doing this? I can't keep doing this. This is so difficult. Like, why do I have, I can't keep all these balls in the air of all the things that I need to do. And I wasn't taking care of myself at all. Like mm-hmm. self-care, didn't even know what that was at that time. I was in like survival mode. I feel like every day. And I thought, this is how it's going to be. Like, this is motherhood. This is not what I thought it was going to be. Doesn't it feel like the brochure lied? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> a, ver- a very nice friend here in Australia wrote a book and it was titled The Brochure Lied because that same concept that you see on TV and you see in social, well, not so much social media back when we were looking at being a mom, but yeah, it was always, even with those closest to us, it was always portrayed like, oh, you got married. Yay. Uh, when are you having a baby? Because it's so amazing. Yeah. And then you have yeah. one baby. When are you having another baby? Because it's so amazing. So you follow that line of progression, just like you said, with your family, you work, you retire, you travel. And then when you get there, you look around and you're like, is this it? Is this, is this the thing? Am I feeling the thing now? Is this the motherhood joy? Because I am not, I'm feeling everything except joy. Yeah. In my day, my joy might be one centimeter big. When when your child says, I love you, when they hug you, click, oh, it's heart melting joy. But that compared to the other 23 hours of your day, it's not joy. So how did you change that? I mean, that's a, it sounds like you have lived through it and you, at one point you must have realized this is not like you yeah. said, it is it. Yeah. Well, and I think what ended up starting to happen is honestly, like I started to have a lot of resentment towards my husband because okay. he was getting to go, he was getting air quotes <laughs> to go out to work. So he was getting to leave the house like every day by himself. So he had time to himself, even though he was working, he was doing some, like his mind was on another task. And then he was also training for Ironman. So he was doing crazy. I know you're all like, I know I shouldn't bring bring it up, but he, you know, you know, right? Yes. It's an Ironman widow. It's a real thing. You become a widow because they're training so much, so much. And we talked about it because he's like, oh, I think I want to do this. And I'm like, great, like support you. I really didn't have any idea when he kind of told me about it. I was like, I had no idea. Because at the time, like I I would run, but I wasn't like into anything really. I had no time for it. Mm. So I started to really feel resentful. And I was like, you get to leave the house and you get to go to the gym and you get to do all these things. And I, I can't, I'm, I'm here. And it was, you know what I mean? And it's such, and you sound so ungrateful because you love your children. You deeply do, but I wasn't doing anything for myself. And I still had my Leah Sophia jewelry. So I was still doing that, but it was all the monotonous tasks. It was the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and all of the things that going to the grocery, all the little details that are just the tasks that you do every day that make it not fun. That you're like, this is my job. Like, this is a job and I don't like it. And it just took the fun out of it. And so I think when I started to have that resentment, that's when I was like, wait a second. Like, he didn't ask 
he didn't ask for that resentment. This is coming from me. This is something I'm reflecting on because I haven't stood up for myself to say, Hey, wait a second. I need some help. I need some help. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really struggling. I need some time away. I need something for myself. And so when I finally did that, and when I finally had that point of the point of no return, right? It's like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm going crazy here. That's when things started to shift. That's when I started to put time in for myself. That's when I started to go to the gym. That's when I started to meet up with my friends. That's Mm -hmm. when I started to ask more for help from others because I needed some time to myself because a lot of the time people don't think you're really working when you're at home. So they don't really think you need help. They're like, you're home all day. What do you need help for? What have you done all day? My husband has never said that to me. He (laughs) tried it as a joke once. And I was like, that's not even funny, man. But I think because they grew up in that mindset of like, well, the woman stays at home and does everything just to prepare for us to get home to relax because we've had a hard day at work, but yet her shift doesn't stop. That shift keeps going until those children into bed are in asleep in bed, yeah. whatever time that is. If they stay in bed, getting up, you know, it might not ever end. <laughs> and if they're so, sick, you just, you are the one you got to yeah. be up with them. It's, yeah. oh, there's so much to unpack in the gender roles in families, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah. Much. And I, my husband is amazing. I always say I feel so blessed because I wouldn't say he ever said like, these are the things that I expect you to do. He never did that. And he always has respected me. We always had open conversations. So like when I was going to stay at home, we had open conversations about it. Okay. Well, these are the things that I can do. And this is what you can do. And on your days off, how about this? You do these things. And can I have a break? Like we did have those open discussions. Once I got to the point where I was like, I really can't do this. You know what I mean? Because for me, I would, on his days off, I would feel bad asking because it's like, it's your day off. So you want to relax too. So I had to get over that and be like, yes, but this is a two-way street. And he is an amazing father and wanted to do those things. And, but it's just, you have to speak up and say what you need because as women, and I've really been like preaching this, like we have to cut up the super mom cape because that mm-hmm. is like such a farce of like hustle, hustle, hustle. You can do it all. Look at you, superwoman. That is not true mm-hmm. at all. And like, it took me to be like that rock bottom. I can do it all. I look like I have the perfect life. I have the perfect yeah. family. All my kids are healthy, married to the perfect guy. He's got a great job, perfect personality, whatever, like all the stuff that you think is stuff. important. Yeah. Right. I can do all these things and you present at the mom's club and doing all the, and then I would be struggling inside. I'm like, oh my God, no one knows like the pain that I'm going through because of the yeses that I said yes to. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, but then I overcommit and I don't know how to get out of it. And yet every mom in your school was probably thinking the exact same thing, but you'd say, hi, Melissa, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, how are you? Yes. Have a lovely day. And then you will retreat back into your car and go home and go, Oh, and I've got a question for you. This is just a curious thing. Do you feel that the reason why we do hit rock bottom is not because those tasks, we have to do them. So you have to wash clothes and you have to cook food. To me, I'm curious to know if it's just because we never get to feel we're on top of it. It doesn't feel like you never can achieve, like your husband's gone to work and he's got, I don't know, 50 dinner service tickets to cook and he's done them and he's he delivers them and then it's done 
there is a sense of achievement at some point to yeah. then go home. And yes, he comes back and does the same thing again the next day. But for us, it just feels like it never ends. I feel like my washing pile never is put away. Even if I do put them away and I spend all day folding and putting it all in the drawers, within one second of those kids coming home, yeah, it's like Mount Everest again. Like, where did you even get those clothes from? I don't know. Do, do you think that's where our uh, uneasiness comes? It's not that we we have to cook them. It's just that we feel like it's just, and this next layer to that, we never feel like it's actually appreciated. Yes. Uh, <laughs> go, yeah. I said it. So, I said it. <laughs> yeah. I think that is huge. You never feel like it's appreciated because again, the role of this is what you're supposed to do as this is what a mom does. And this is when you're staying at home, or even if you're working women that go out to work, like they would still have to come home and do those things. Correct. And so it's just expected. And for me, I think to your like first point, I think for me as a younger mom, I felt like it was never over. I just, like you said, I felt like I was constantly cleaning up. I felt like I was constantly cleaning up dishes. And then I would come over here and we'd clean up. I would clean up a room. My kids wouldn't clean it up. I'd ask them to help, but then they would be playing and having fun. I'd be like, I'll just do it myself. So then I would clean up and be like, okay, good. And then go make dinner. And then it's destroyed again. And so I read something one time where I was talking to someone and it was like, sometimes as a young mom, I wish I had known I could have left the dishes in the sink and I didn't have to put them away at night and I would be okay with that. And it doesn't make you a bad mom because your kitchen isn't clean. Mm. It doesn't. Maybe you could go play with your kids instead and actually enjoy motherhood versus all the tasks that you have to check off so that you can put your head down at sleep at night. The same thing with cleaning up a space. Why did you have to clean up the minute they were done playing? Why couldn't you just leave it and then clean it up later? Like, why is there so much pressure to always be, it's like that perfection. Like I have to have my house perfect, even though nobody's there. I have to have the kids <laughs> looking perfect. I have to have the kitchen looking perfect. I have to grocery shop perfect. Like it, mm-hmm. it is like that perfectionism mm-hmm. that we think like the secret layer that it's like, if I do it perfect, I'm going to feel really good about myself. But really it just doesn't make you feel any better. I think it makes you feel even worse because nobody else is doing it perfectly, but we all think everybody else is, even though they're not. How do we burst that bubble? I still have not figured it out. And I think because to your point about just leaving the mess and leaving the dishes at some point in our family, we trialed that. We said, let's just do the best we can do. But yet I did receive criticism from external people in our family when they came to visit. And that has never left my mind because I thought we were just trying to survive with with a a physical disability. I know it's invisible. You can't see it, but we were just trying to survive. And then it was always like, well, your husband should be doing more for you because you can't do it like physically. And then I had to try and justify and do all that. Really, It was really horrible. So how do we burst that bubble for everyone? Because I feel like potentially we do it because we're scared of external judgment. Mm. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. Right. But well, it is. And it's also for us now, not when the kids were super young for me, like social media is huge because everyone is just putting all their best on social media. So all you see when you're looking at moms is like these kitchens that are like showcase worthy and the mm-hmm. builder grade. And you're like, my kitchen doesn't look like that. And your living room and your family room and they're perfect with white couches. I mean, geez, Louise, like Crazy. really, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's dumb. Um, but it's, you're, you're comparing yourself to this magazine that isn't even real. It's mm. filtered in some way. So it's not oh, even yeah. what family or the woman or the man even looks like the children it's filtered in some way they've made her body look perfect and like the perfect tan and gotten rid of any wrinkles and it's just this farce of what it's supposed to be like but on whose standards who says it's supposed to be that like why have we done that to ourselves and what world is it that we need to live like it's the same day over and over again and we are so hard on ourselves like why have we done that to ourselves who are we trying to be better than other than better than how we are the day before? Like we're all just trying to do our best. And if we're all trying to be better than our neighbors, like they're all trying to be better than us, it's a never ending. And so we don't leave the house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. This is such gold because I feel like even with my closest friends, we probably this level of conversation and this level of honesty is hard to get to obviously because we have kids running around and you can't even finish one sentence. I do just want to go back to play. So I was an educator just like you. And I thought as a teacher, I just cannot wait to play with my kids all day long. And do you know what I do when I go into my daughter's room? I sit down, she goes, mommy, play with me. And I sit down, I'm like, okay, let's do it. Within two seconds, I'm sitting here going, I really need to tidy up those blankets. Those Barbie shoes need to be away before the vacuum cleaner picks them up. And I start tidying up. She's yeah. like, you're not playing with me. And I feel like, just as you said, ticking off the jobs, the kitchen, da-da-da-da-da, it has taken away my love of play and learning yeah. through play. I actually hate it when they ask me to play. I'm like, oh, Really? Ask dad. And then he looks at me. He's so busy. And we love that mental stimulation so much with our work that he's like, okay, how about we go and ride a bike? Or how about we do something where he can participate, but sitting down and playing Barbie, it's really hard. What I want to ask you about that though, the expectations that parents play with their kids like that and enjoy parenthood, is that an unrealistic thing too? Like you can't have it all. Can you? Yeah. I think it's, I think none of us know what to do, to be completely honest. I think you go into it, you know, you said like the brochure of what you think it's supposed to be and what we were fed on TV. Oh, this is what the best families do. Oh my gosh, look at that loving family. And oh, the husband comes home and the wife and the, all the kids and it's so angelic. And so we have been fed yeah. this lie of what it's supposed to be like. And then you, like you said, typically you, you're not having these conversations with others. When you go to someone's house, literally it's when it's like their best, like they've just cleaned up. You know what I mean? They've cooked dinner. Maybe somebody just came to clean their home. Like yeah. everyone just vacuumed, like thrown everything in the junk drawer. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, this is the, tr the true life right here. Right now I have a hole like in my kitchen ceiling because we have a leak from my bathroom. My son's like, shouldn't we get that fixed? If someone comes over, I'm like, who's coming over? <laughs> like, who's coming? Who's coming over? Like when you, we're not home, like we're out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And if they come over, like we have a hole in the ceiling because we had a leak in the bathroom. Like, geez, Louise, like what? It's like, we have this impression of what we, oh my gosh, what's someone going to think? Are they going to think I can't afford to fix it? Are they going to think I live in a pigsty? Are they going to think I, I don't clean up? Are they, what are they going to think? And it's just like, who cares? It is so exhausting trying to be like, oh my God, what are they going to think? When a lot of the time we don't even know what we think. We don't yes. even know 
what we're thinking. Yes, yes. It is so true. And then I think that's why we find it hard to communicate to others because we can't even formulate the thought pattern to then verbalize what it is we need or what it is we want because we don't even know. We don't even know. We're we're taking in so much information all day long, right? We're on social media. We're listening to podcasts. We're watching YouTube videos. Like all of these things are Mm -hmm. coming in all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't even know how to shut it off. So when you have a thought, it's like, is this even my thought? Or is this something that someone else told me that I'm just thinking this is the story that I just heard someone else say, but do I even want to do this? Does this even feel good to me? Like, does this even work for my family? Is this just something that my family did and I'm just taking it on, but I don't even like to do this. I hate that tradition. Like, why are we still doing it? And isn't it funny that I think that's what brings a lot of angst between parents and children, because we had someone to come and help clean the house today because I can't scrub and do floors and things. But I was yelling at the kids, pick up the Lego. The cleaner's coming. And mom's, and my daughter says, mom, but isn't she a cleaner? Isn't she going to pick it up? I'm like, no, that is you. That is your toy on the floor, blah, 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 blah. And they hate it when they come because they let it come, you know, so often. But they're like, mom is so full yeah. on on the day that she comes. But yeah, it's crazy. It's I agree with you. Like you say, we just consume so much information. Like, and filter everything. And I love that you said that because just yesterday I did a live on Instagram for the first time in a long time. Pressed it on my phone because it was important. I was sharing an episode that one of my podcasting friends did with a mom in the Ukraine, obviously with what's happening in the world. And as I went to press play or record or whatever is go live, yeah, came up with this filter. I was like, oh, I like the look of that. She looks good. And I'm like, actually, who, why do I need to look good when I'm actually telling a story that is way more important about what my face looks like? Who cares? Right. I don't care. And this is what's leading me into this next part, because I know you have created the most amazing podcast called The Reawakened Mom. And everything we have talked about today, Melissa, leads us into this. How do we reawaken ourselves as moms to say the hole in the roof, the filter on Instagram, the Lego on the floor does not matter? I just gave myself goosebumps. How do we believe that within ourselves enough? I'm going to ask you to help us and talk us through this because it's easy to say it. Oh, I'm not going to care about the mess. But when my husband comes home, or if I'm thinking about, we're we're trying to hold all these plates at once and I'm thinking about a lot, the mess makes my thoughts messy. So as much as I want to say, forget about the dishes, I struggle and I focus on the dishes, the damn dishes. If I just put them away, I'll have clarity. Tell us about your journey to being a reawakened mom. Like, what is it? How did you discover this? Yeah. First of all, I'm going to say it's a practice because there is nothing, there is no perfection like in this world. So what I work on and what I talk about, I'm still doing it and I still have failures and I still have ups and downs. Earlier I was saying it's like the ocean because I live at the ocean. So, and I think the flow to it and motherhood, I talk about seasons a lot, different seasons that you go through. And I think motherhood, you should never expect it to always be the same. 
So just because you're this way right now, like in the the month of March, doesn't mean that in June, in the summer, you're going to be the same and that's okay. Okay. And giving yourself that permission to know, like you are ebbing and flowing and your children are ebbing and flowing and what you're doing every day, whether you're learning, whether you're at a job, whether you're at home, like whether you start working out, whether you start meditation, it's going to, I'm getting goosebumps too. It's going to be different. And so you have to realize that you're never going to be the same mom twice and that's okay. All right. So you have to reawaken to that. Like you aren't going to be the same any, at any stages of your motherhood. And okay. I think that's a great way to really start thinking about it, that you don't have to compare yourself to the mom that you were before, unless you're trying to be like, I want to be better because this is what I did, or I want to break patterns of maybe what my mother did. I love that because just as you said that, when you said, oh, you don't have to be the same mom. I was like, I don't want to be the mom I was in the car today yelling yeah. at my kids to sit down and put their belts on for the 10th time. I don't want to be that mom. No one wants yeah. to be that mom. We hate yeah. that mom. The kids hate that mom. Yes. How do we do that? How do we, cause you know, in your logic, like right now I can say to you, I do not want to yell at my kids in the car. I'm like, I don't want to yell at the kids in the car. Don't yell at the kids in the car. And then they do something and you're like, Yes. I call her She-Hawk because I do have a She-Hawk in me because she comes out and I don't like it, but she does. And if I have to apologize, I will apologize. Mm. If I have to put myself in a mommy timeout and say, Hey, I need some time to myself right now because I'm feeling a little bit on edge. And if I talk about my feelings and let my kids know, like, it's okay. I'm not perfect. (laughs) Heaven forbid they know that. I am not perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. You're not going to be a perfect adult as you get older, child, whatever. Mm. And it's okay. And being able to step into those feelings in the moment and say, I need a minute because I I don't like the way I'm feeling. And I'm just going to go close my bedroom door and hang out in there for a little bit. Okay. (laughs) And knowing that's okay. Knowing that that's okay to show your kids if you're feeling upset, if you're crying, Mm. it's okay to cry. Like you Mm. don't always have to be the tough one. You don't always have to be the happiest person ever. That's not realistic. So showing your kids that that's okay. And sometimes you need to talk through it. Mm -hmm. I think that is so important to show for mental health for you and for your children as well. I think that's going to be my favorite quote. Put yourself in mommy timeout because how much, like I've screamed into a pillow before in frustration, but then I go straight back into it, just straight back into the thick of it. And they're still fighting or something's happening. And then you don't get a chance to actually calm. And I love that that's actually teaching them a lesson. That's teaching them how to do it. That's so good. Well, and it's regulating your emotions because we know as much as we want to stay calm, I do meditation, I do breath work, I do all the things. Like there is a a level of choice to it. Like we have a choice. And like you said, I don't want to be that mom that I was when I was in the car today. Okay, that's cool. But you have a choice and an opportunity because there are so many minutes in a day to not do that again because you've recognized it. And that doesn't make you a bad mom. Oh my God, I ruined my kids forever. They hate me. I'm the worst mom, whatever. It's like, that's a moment. And we have so many moments that we can go back, a mom moment that we can go back to and just say, Hey, if I need to apologize, I'm really sorry. Like I shouldn't have done that. I said something I shouldn't have said. There's nothing wrong with apologizing. If you feel you overdid it, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's showing, Hey, I messed up. Mm -hmm. I'm human. I'm so sorry. And just, can we move on? 
is there anything you want to say to me? Like, if you're upset, mm-hmm. that's okay. Like, what would you like to say? I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, whatever it is. I think we need to own up to that, but also know that we aren't going to be perfect and we are going to make mistakes and we are going to have moments when we yell and I want to always be Zen, but I have a breaking point too. Yes. I'm human and it's going to happen and realizing that you're not going to be perfect, I think is super important, but also realizing that you need to, I want to say like, you need to, I don't want to say you need to stand up for your family, but you need to stand up for yourself Mm. first as a woman, as a person, as Stephanie, as Melissa, because sometimes you get into motherhood and you take this role and it takes over everything, the mom, right? Totally. Our our free spirited traveling 18 year old girls are just they're dead in the water they don't even exist anymore the you know that spontaneity or that gut feeling of coming into oh I know this just feels right yeah I feel like it could be coming back but even just like you just said just being aware of it is so Mm -hmm. good so good just being aware of it and knowing that it's gonna take time Mm. It's going to take time and there is no right one way to do it. And what I do and what Stephanie does isn't always, it's not always going to work for you. And sometimes it doesn't always work for me. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't journal right now. I just, I can't sit and journal. I don't want to do it. So I don't, and I don't think, well, that's what all the good moms do. And that's what the gurus are telling me to do. And if I don't do it, I will not be enlightened. And I won't be able to go into my feelings if I don't do this. So I think reawaking is really about coming home to yourself and who you are and asking yourself, what do I need today? How do I want to feel today? Who do I want to be today? Because you do have that choice every day of how you want to be, how you want to feel and what you need. Because we as women taking the mom aside, we as a person, we need things ourselves and we have to put ourselves first before we can go take care of anyone else and be the amazing woman entrepreneur mom that we are. We have to do that first. And that's really what reawakening is. It's reawakening to, I am a person. And is it doing it without judgment on yourself? Cause we're the worst judges of ourselves, right? Yes, it is. It's it's doing the best. I would love to say I don't judge myself, but of course there are moments. I have my moments. I do the best I can. I do truly try to love myself. I was with a bunch of women today. We met up for coffee and I talk about peeing myself. We were talking about your episode. I was like, did I really say those things out loud at the meeting in front of all these? And I'm just like, you know what? Like own it. Nobody mm-hmm. is perfect. Be goofy if you want to be goofy. Have fun if you want to have fun. Tell a joke if you want to tell a joke. Like life shouldn't be that serious. Like let's have more fun, ladies. Let's have more joy. Let's have more fun. Let's meet up with our sisters and like, just have a good time Mm. in the person that we are, because we're all unique. We're all special and we all have a gift and we need to stand up for ourselves and what we need every day. Because if we're not doing that, we're not showing anyone else how to treat us. We're saying, yeah, put me last. Just put me last. I'm good with that. You don't need to take care of me. And then we get upset when others don't know how to take care of us, but we can't take care of ourselves. Exactly. So that's the first step. That's amazing. And it's funny, you just dropped a seed. You just dropped, planted a seed for me because you just said, we're talking about in your group of friends and having a coffee and about peeing yourself. Incontinence is something that we just, or even if it's stress incontinence and we have a giggle or we have a sneeze, it's something that we feel like we are not allowed to talk about because it's too private. And if we do have it, then it's shameful. 
yet <laughs> so many women do. It's, yeah. it's actually very more common than you would imagine. And do you feel that any of those women in that group went a bit incontinent? No, I don't. Because I think that we were taught, somebody else was saying it and one of them is pregnant. And then somebody else said that they were all moms. Mm-hmm. And so we all got it. We're like, yeah, I do. I pee myself. Like I go to laugh or I sneeze and I'm like, oh, if I didn't pull hold tight enough, I'm like, I might've just tinkled myself. Like it just happened. And I talk about it with my kids. I talk about poop. I talk about going to the bathroom. Everybody does it. Why is it so weird? Like, why is it so weird to talk about it? I think it's fine. I will talk to you if you're in the stall next to me. I don't care. That was one of my favorite pastimes as a kid in high school. I would talk to one of my, we would go to the bathroom together and we would just be giggling and talking the whole time. Like it, guys, it doesn't have to be that hard. I think it's more weird that we think it's weird. Right. Because we all do. It's just like, it's mind blowing. So I think the first step to reawakening is really getting quiet with yourself. And what do you need as a person, not as a mom, not as a wife, not as a sister, a daughter, what do you, when you sit quiet and I know it's hard, but when you sit quiet, even for like two minutes, it can be in the car. You just drop the kids off at school and you're just sitting there. Maybe you get up a couple minutes early and you're like, I'm going to get up before my kid wakes me up or before I have to start getting things ready for school. And you just say, what do I need today? Mm. What do I need today? Maybe you need to call a friend. Maybe you do need to journal. Maybe you need to go run. Maybe you need to do kickboxing. Maybe you need to do Pilates, right? (laughs) Do I need to go to the ocean today? What do I need for myself today that's going to bring me joy and make me feel like myself? And every day it's probably going to be different, but I think for us to just really focus on what do I need right now? What do I need today? How do I want to feel first starting with that? Because that's going to be intentional for yourself. That's the start to being like, I need to leave my job. I need to, whatever the thing is, I need to leave my relationship. I need to stand up for myself. I need to do this thing for my kids that I haven't been doing. Like it's going to lead to a lot more than I think what you think, just asking yourself that simple question. What do I need? That's a good question. As you were saying that, I was like, what would I, what would I say? What would I answer? I don't know. I don't know what I need. And that is part of the process is being reawakened mom, right? Yeah. It's part of it. Just knowing what you need. And I started the podcast because so many women feel so alone. So many moms feel like they're on this journey by themselves and Mm -hmm. nobody else is going through it. In the last two years of a pandemic, we've been isolated. You haven't been seeing your friends. You haven't been seeing all your moms. You haven't been going to events and we've gotten so isolated and it's not for me, it's not okay. Like mm-hmm. I need a sisterhood. I need women to talk to. I need that energy. I need to be able to share what I'm sharing with you because you get it. You mm-hmm. get it. I can talk to my husband and I love him, but it's not the same as like when I talk to another mama, it's just not. So I think we have to give ourselves that gift of saying, I need to call a friend. Cause I, I, I need, I need to talk about this. Like maybe I'm not okay. And I just mm-hmm. want to talk about it. And when you talk to one of your mom friends and it's like, I'm going through that too. Or maybe they just listen and you feel better after they've listened to you. So So, therapeutic, so therapeutic. Even just, you've just dropped so many amazing ideas because I'm already thinking, okay, I'm going to go do that. Like it's just already inspired me to really think about stuff. Even if it doesn't take action for a little while, really giving myself that quietness, as you say, to think for me. Yeah. And what we know is it's always going to result in something positive for everyone. 
because that whole fill your own cup before you can pour and you can't pour from an empty cup. I see all of that on social media, but then I think, well, if I'm here on social media, I'm not actually filling my cup. It's draining. I've got Mm -hmm. to turn it off. So do you have any tips for moms, uh, you know, practical tips about how to become reawakened other than thinking about like that major first step? Yeah. I mean, you talked about social media, like social media can really lead you down a spiral of comparing to other moms. And Mm. a lot of the time it's not comparing in a good way. Ooh, I'm doing a good job. A lot of the time it's the opposite, right? Mm. It's like, oh, I should be doing more. If you can delete social media or give yourself certain hours Mm. that you're only on it because it can become the scroll where you're like, oh, I'm going to go send a message and then I'm going to get off. And then you get on and you see something and you're like, oh my God. And then you keep looking and then you don't even send the message. You think, what was I doing on here? Exactly. And you just spent 25 minutes of your day scrolling when you could have maybe been reading a book. Maybe you could have been getting a bubble bath. Maybe you could have gone outside for a walk. Maybe you could have played with your kids. Like who knows what you could have been doing. So one of the things is that one of the things is limit your time on social media or go there for a purpose. If you're like, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes right now, and I'm going to go like, look for cat memes because cats make me happy. And I (laughs) laugh at them. Cool. Like have fun at it, but give yourself a time limit or else you will mindlessly scroll. You won't know what happened to your day. You're going to get off. You're going to feel flustered and then you're going to feel behind. You're going to feel behind. Never on top of it. Never on top of it. (laughs) No. And then you have to reprogram your brain to be like, what was I even doing in the first place? Like, where was I? Oh, I was trying to record a podcast. Oh, how did I get on Facebook? (laughs) So true. Oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. But I think that is one of the real big things because as a woman, you're going to get on there and you probably are going to start comparing yourself. If you're not really going to like create a post or put something creative on, I find it, it, it can be really a waste of time. And then you don't even know what happened with your time when you could have maybe been painting or maybe you could have been dancing Feeling or doing something cup. or gardening. Yeah. You yes. could have been doing something for yourself. Yeah. So I would say that's one of the big things I would say also, if you can find things to bring you joy really like make a list of what brings you joy, like truly. And it doesn't have to be things that you buy. It could be, but little things like your favorite pair of sweatpants, like watching movies with your kids, like playing mm-hmm. monot, like whatever it is doing your hair. Like maybe you love to like yes. straighten your hair. Like what truly bring like dental floss, like flossing your teeth. Like, oh my God, that feeling is so amazing. Like whatever it is writing, what brings you joy? Mm-hmm. I would say also Ladies, write down the things that you have accomplished in your life, because so many times we're so hard on ourselves and we think we're comparing to this other person and look at all the things she's done and look what she's got. And now look at all this and I'm not enough. So I can't do that because I haven't done enough. Mm -hmm. But when you go and write down the things that you've done, oh, at 18, I went and lived in another country or I went and lived on an island. Oh my gosh. Then I, when you really write down the things that you've done, I had, I carried a baby in my body for nine months, whatever it is, when you really write those things down, girl, you got to be proud of yourself. Yeah. That's an epic list. I've just did it in my mind mentally for both of us. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Right. (laughs) You're pretty amazing. Right. I mean, that's like huge. It's gratitude for yourself and what you have done in this life. Oh my God. So thankful for my feet carrying me up mountains and going hiking and on the beach, like all these different things, like my body for carrying a baby and creating life. How amazing is that? So 
these little things it's like that you can just be thinking about. And I do gratitude every single day. I think gratitude is huge. So those would be some things that I would say, start with maybe pick one and see what feels good. Really just, I'd say, get quiet and see, get you know, quiet, maybe- everyone. Did you hear that? Get quiet. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cause our mind is so noisy. There's so much happening, getting quiet. Now I know that you have interviewed some amazing moms and I'm pretty sure you've talked about different techniques through those. So for those that are listening now and they want to join and into the conversation with your podcast and listen to those reawakened mom stories, where can they find you, Melissa? Yeah, I love Instagram. So if they go to Instagram, Melissa.clampit, that is where I hang out. And my podcast is the Reawakened Mom Podcast. It's pretty much on all the major places that you listen, Spotify, Apple, Google, which I don't understand how it works, but Google, <laughs> Anchor. I'm like, I don't get Google, but whatever. People, I guess, listen. That's where they can find me. And hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll be creating something new too, where we can all gather and hang out as well. I would love that. My gosh, I was just thinking before, what do you need? I was like, right now I need a massive three-day event with you and all of these amazing women in our (laughs) podcasting space, because that would really fill my cup because we have these chats online, but then when you see people in person, it is different. So coming out of isolation is amazing. Of course, like always, we will put all the links in the show notes so people can find you directly. That's fine. I just wanted to take this moment to very genuinely say thank you so much. This has been so reawakening for this mom. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be on your podcast and just to share with your audience. Thank you. Welcome. Come back again sometime, won't you? Absolutely. Season three. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. I told you that you would love Melissa's energy. I feel like she is just such a giving, warm, beautiful human being that I'm so glad we got to have her on the show and share it. If there was something that resonated for you, I'd love for you to be able to share it with me because I feel like when we connect after these episodes, great things happen. Quite often, I'll receive a direct message on our Instagram account at Brave Mama saying, oh, I loved this episode because of X, Y, and Z. And then I usually write back saying, oh, and did you also get this? Because that happened for me. It actually allows us to continue the conversation and dig deeper and then get even more benefit. I love that. That is one of my favorite things about this community. It's like we're all friends. We're online friends. We're very connected. And I can promise you this right now. One day in the very near future, meaning next year, 2023, we will be hosting a Brave Mama Summit where we'll be able to get together in real person and hug and chat, have so much tea and conversation to really just connect. No agenda, no set thing, just time to connect with people who are like-minded, people who are living with similar things and understanding so that we can feel seen, heard, loved and supported. My God, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Keep an ear out for it. In the meantime, we have a really quick message before we go from our podcast partner today. 
Hey there, Mama. Did you know that one in three of us who have ever had a baby wet themselves? The good news is you don't need to just put up with it because you can call the National Continence Helpline on 1-800-33-00-66 and speak directly to a nurse continence specialist. This is for free and it's confidential. They're open from Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. If you'd like to find out more information, you can call the number or you can visit continence.org.au for more information. And again, I want to thank the Continence Foundation of Australia for continuing to support us and sharing amazing information about women's public health. Until next week, bye for now. Babe, mommy.